What's up, y'all? It's Zach and I and Alyssa here. Y'all know what we try to do. We're trying to build, inspire, encourage, empower, all on a platform that affirms black and brown experiences in corporate America. And it's interesting because as I came up, just kind of coming into myself as a professional, I didn't see a lot of people that look like me in consulting. I didn't see a lot of people that look like me in human resources either. But when I would come across someone who looked like me doing something I wanted to do, it gave me encouragement. It gave me a stronger sense of of hope that I could do it, too. And so it's with that that we're really excited to talk to you all today about and bring you another entry, actually, into our See It to Be It series. So the next thing you're going to hear is an interview between Amy C. Weininger, a guest on the show, a member of the team and the author of Network Beyond Bias and a leader who just happens to be an ethnic minority. In fact, yo, sound man, give me some air horns right here for my leaders. Yo, and give me some more air horns right here for the See It To Be It series. <laughs> catch y'all next time. I know you're going to enjoy this. Peace. Lennis, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you so much for asking me. It's an honor to be able to share with me. Well, it's an honor to speak with you. So I was wondering if you could share a little bit about the work that you do. I know that you're a health and wellness expert and a wellness coach. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about what that means. What do your clients um, look like? What do you do for your clients? And um, we'll start there. Well, I'm a certified health and wellness coach, and I specialize in working with women over 40, uh, teaching them how to be well and how to live a more holistic life. And I do that through uh, my uh, online magazine. I have online classes. I also have coaching services for groups and one-on-one. I have a podcast and webcast. uh, And uh, I also uh, just recently wrote a book, as you know, helped write a book, as you know. Um, and I focus on uh, helping women make incremental lifestyle changes that can give them big results. Um, I have a weight loss or what I like to call a weight release program. I also talk with women uh, specifically about hormonal changes, you know, things that happen as we age and how we can minimize the impact of the aging process. Talk a lot about stress reduction. That's my specialty is stress reduction and anxiety and depression, of which I suffer from all three. Uh, and so I, I really focus on those kinds of things that happen as we age from 40 on, because after 40, there's some things that start happening that are really interesting. And um, many times you think perhaps you're prepared for that because you've heard your girlfriends talk about it. You might have not heard your mom talk about it, but you witnessed certain things. But I'm telling you, everyone is different and every experience is different. And what I really try to point out to women is that they're not alone in terms of going through that experience, but sometimes it can be a lonely experience because while you're going through it, a lot of times it's you get this inclination to want to kind of self-select out and suffer in silence by yourself. You don't have to do that. And so my job or my role is to familiarize women with all the different symptoms that might happen and to give them some encouragement to get knowledge on how to deal with it because I truly do believe that knowledge is power. You know, as you're speaking, I'm reminded of this thought that I've had repeatedly that to be a woman is to live in stages of secrets and shame. That's true. When we're young, right, when we're very young, we, you know, we get the talk about what's going to happen to our bodies in adolescence and we're pulled aside and it's all in very hushed tones and 
you know, and like girls passing tampons, you know, like in middle school, you know, like you don't want to be found out, right? And then, you know, in our teens, 20s, even our 30s, um, you know, pregnancy is, there's a lot of mystery surrounding pregnancy, right? Women throughout history have gotten pregnant. Women throughout history have miscarried. Women throughout history have had complications with their pregnancies, but we don't hear those stories. We sort of, like you said, we suffer in silence. We, we suffer alone. Um, we don't talk about it. We're taught to feel shame about it. And I guess it never occurred to me that I'm, I'm on the cusp of yet another, um, you know, quietly, uh, go quietly into the night sort of process. And that that's another aspect of our lives as women that we don't talk publicly about. No, you're absolutely right. And uh, that, yeah, that suffering silence is really true on so many different levels. But I can just share from my own experience, um, each time that I got pregnant, and I have four daughters, they're all grown, they're all in their 30s, except for one will be 27. Each time that I got pregnant, I didn't tell anybody right away. My first pregnancy, I wasn't married. So I didn't tell anybody, not even my mom, until I was like about seven months pregnant. I lived, oh in, I didn't, I lived in a different city. So I just didn't tell because I wasn't married, you know, and I um, invited her to come and see me uh, for the weekend. And she knew as soon as I opened the door, um, it might have been because my face was fuller because normally I'm a really, really thin person, you know, that might have been it. But she said she felt it even before that time. And I think with the other ones, I didn't want to tell anybody because I didn't want to be judged by my family or my friends. I was married, but it was like painted again because I they were so close together. One of my daughters, uh, the, the, the um, two middle ones, were born um, 17 months apart. And, uh, you know, I just didn't want to deal with that. Don't you know about birth control? And how can you be a career person? And all that. I didn't tell anybody. Um, and I look back at that. Now I'm thinking how silly. I was married. Uh, certainly was my prerogative if I wanted to have children. They were not planned. They were all, you know, wonderful uh-ohs. Uh, but I think my biggest thing was that this went against the grain in terms of all my preparation uh, when it comes to climbing the corporate ladder. And here I am, pregnant again. I was pregnant basically for 10 years, basically, you know, because wow. the ages of my children now are 27, 30, uh, 32, and uh, 34. Mm. So pretty close together. And I just didn't want to deal with that again, you know, kind of thing. So I didn't tell anybody. I look back at that now and I'm thinking, you know, how much do we as women, no matter what the age is, vest in people's, um, become vested in people's opinion of us? You know, um, we spend a lot of time preoccupied with that. And it's very painful because, of course, we can't read their minds. And many times what we're thinking they may be thinking, which many times are not even close to that, they're too busy with their own stuff, is really just projections mm -hmm. of how we feel about ourselves. And I think the biggest message that I would like to try to uh, send women in particular over 40, even at that stage, and they should be so wise and know it all or know more, is the need for self-love because we just don't do that. Uh, we are our harshest critics. Uh, we don't give ourselves a break. And our break, if we do give ourselves a break, there's all this recrimination that goes with it. There's that shame and that guilt. And in order to really be well, there comes a point in your life where you really have to make a decision to let all that go and to be more present and stop worrying so much about what happened in the past. Because what happened in the past really has added to who you are as a person. 
and that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And not to be too preoccupied with the future or lack of it, depending on your age, because you know the future never comes, and well, never comes. It's always today, today. And learning how to be more present in terms of your day-to-day existence. So, thank you for that. I think that's absolutely true, and um, and I would imagine that a lot of wellness comes from mindfulness and and presence. Can you tell me a little bit how you got into this work? Sure. Um, I had a whole other life. I, I had, had three lives, maybe three main lives. You know, but this was my uh, before this third life. My second life. I uh, was a human resource professional and did very well and got up to the um, you know director level and um, had the equivalent of what would be considered um, the American dream. Uh, was married, um, had four kids, the big house, you know, swimming pool and tennis court, the little pool house, and kids going to school doing well, you know, husband very successful, you know, all the stuff that you would think uh, was supposed to be the American dream. And being a woman of color, even more so, you know, as an African American, I was earning the upper uh, 0.5% for uh, an African American woman and for a woman in general, the upper 2%. So I was doing well, but there was something missing in my life. And um, I had developed an anxiety disorder and didn't even know it. And my anxiety disorder was based upon post-traumatic stress. And my post-traumatic stress was based upon an incident that happened in my life uh, that was a total surprise. I didn't know how to quite deal with it. And my really dealing with it had to deal with, uh, you know, uh, controlling the outcome, no matter what happened, I was going to control it, uh, whether it was controlling my co-workers, my kids, my husband, my neighbors, my friends, you know, uh, my life in general. I was going to control it in such a way where there would never be any more surprises, which, of course, is insane. Yeah, that's not possible. <laughs> it's insane. It's not possible. So over time, after 20-something years of that, I finally had an epiphany or breakdown or whatever you want to call it, to the point where I had to take a sabbatical. And I left this wonderful job for a year with the idea of going back. And after a year of reflection and going to, you know, really digging down deep, I realized that I wasn't happy. And I needed to figure out what would make me happy. And in my exploration of what kinds of things I could do to heal myself from this anxiety disorder, because I was diagnosed with an anxiety disorder and they put me on medication. And I realized, no, I've never was good at pills things. You know, I've always been interested in nutrition and I was a dancer in my first life, you know, and I was a nutrition minor in college. So I decided that I was going to find out more about this mind, body, spirit, wellness movement, which started, you know, a while back. I got started in it in 2009 because it's been almost 10 years now that I've been in business. Uh, So I decided that I wanted to figure out a way to help women uh, not go through what I went through. And to begin to take a look at how can we um, be well in our mind, body, and spirit, and to make that our quest, our quest to be well in our minds, in our bodies, and in our spirits. Because it's a continuum. It's not all about the body. It's not all about your spirit. It's not all about your mind. It is a continuum. And if any of those things aren't being cared for, then we're off kilter, and we risk the uh, possibility of being unwell. And so that's kind of how it all started. Um, I put together a company called PraiseWorks because at that time I thought I would teach women over 40 
how to dance, praise dance. I am a classically trained ballet dancer, um, have danced professionally. And then when I got in my late 40s, I started doing praise dance at my church. So I was going to teach them how to dance. And I quickly found out after my first few classes that these women needed so much more than just dance. I had women who were um, survivors. I had women who were dealing with empty nest syndrome, women whose relationship, primary relationship had ended up divorce. Um, women who had high cholesterol, obesity, diabetes, I mean, all, and hormonal, menopause. All the things that you begin to deal with as you age. And so I thought, okay, what else could I do? And so that's when I went back, got my certification in nutrition, health, and uh, holistic living, and yoga, and Pilates, and all this stuff, and came up with these different virtual programs uh, that could help women to be well. And it's been really interesting. It's been quite an adventure because one of the things that I didn't anticipate, which I'm learning now, is that um, a lot of the women who were my age, because at that time, I was I was 51 when I left Corporate America. I still had another 15 years or so of working for Corporate America. So everybody thought I was nuts. How could you just leave, you know, six figure salary like that and start your own thing from scratch? But, you know... I think in many ways I saved my life. I could have still been there, still been working, probably doing okay, making lots of money, but would have had the anxiety disorder or would have gained a whole lot of weight as a result of the medication they wanted to put me on and probably would have began to start falling apart because anytime you're on any kind of medication, if it's not organic, any kind of pharmaceutical, um, it, it fixes normally the uh, symptom and not the causation. Mm-hmm. And it causes other symptoms later on. So um, it, I feel like I saved my own life. And in the process of saving my own life, I'm, I'm hoping that I've helped women begin to save theirs in terms of making other choices for their lives. And so that began my goal is, is um, to really get the word out um, virtually at first, even though, like I said, it was a challenge because a lot of women my age, you know, weren't really into, um, you know, social media and things like that back in 2009. But that's changed over the years. Uh, But really to um, not just inspire, and I'm beginning to think, not just to inspire women 40 and over, but my children saying, Mom, people, millennials, we need this kind of stuff. We need to know. Uh, They're in a quest in searching, and I never really thought about that, but they're right. And so now I'm beginning to think about approaching, if you want to get to my age, Old age of almost 62, then you're going to want to do some of this stuff that, you know, I've learned over the last 10 years. Absolutely. It's, it's so much easier to prevent diabetes, heart disease, yes. <laughs> um, and those kinds of things than it is to recover from them. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. High blood pressure, high cholesterol, the list goes on, right? And so many of those chronic diseases, so many of them are lifestyle choices. And then coupled with the fact that as growing older, your body's going to go through some changes anyway. And if you have decided to make a lifestyle choice to exercise more, to eat differently, to lower your stress levels, uh, then your aging process could have been a lot more of a positive experience. And I'm, I'm trying to send that message out to women and all the people who love them that there is a different way, mm-hmm. that you don't have to go down that road. And I think... Um you know, going back to what you said about millennials, you know, I, I keep hearing like millennial burnout is such a problem. Um, you know, millennials have taken on and Gen Z as well are taking on so much stress because, you know, for example, college has gotten 
you know, the cost of college has gotten out of control. The return on that investment has diminished almost to nothing for a lot of people. And so they're trying to pay back more debt with worse, you know, with lower income than the parents. And, you know, and then there's still the pressure of when are you going to start a family? When are you going to buy a house? Right. All of those expectations that we put on people basically from the 1940s, right? When are you going to fulfill the American dream that's almost 100 years old? Which is really the American, it's the American nightmare trying to achieve that right now. Yeah. Right now I'm, I'm visiting my daughter in D.C. And first of all, I'm immensely proud of her because she has done this by herself. And sometimes I would feel guilty about not being able to help her more once she finished her education. But I'm glad, ultimately, that... She went this way because I'm not going to always be here. My husband's not going to always be here. I have three other daughters. I'm going to try to get through their phases of education. But um, it's interesting. Um, the lifestyle that she's living uh, is great, but it's extremely expensive. You know, her rent is more than my mortgage. And I live in California, so I don't have a cheap mortgage. Right. Uh, but um, I, I look at how uh, these, uh, I don't want to say young people, I hate using that because it makes me seem like I'm a thousand years old. But I'm looking at how they're living and the pace within which you're living. I mean, they never, they're on all the time. They never relax. Even their social thing is, uh, I don't want to say it's a competition, but it's stressful, you know, getting to the place because of the traffic, finding a place to park. If, if you are driving or being in public transportation, having to be aware of your surroundings all the time, then you get there and you got to deal with in your mind, okay, how much can I afford, you know, when the bill comes and, it's just, and then in between that, you're constantly on your phone while you're talking to your friends and stuff. You're on the phone, you're doing all this stuff. And I'm thinking, wow, this is a lot of fun, but it's stressful fun. Mm-hmm. There's never a point where people just stop and just be, unless they make a conscious time. Okay, yoga time, oh, meditation mm-hmm. time. You know, there's not, there doesn't seem to be a point of really disconnecting. And you're right. We in the society, no matter what age it is, no matter what age we are, have a tendency to want to uh, meet the expectations of whatever was set before us. You know, for me, it was being raised in the 70s and trying to meet the expectations or where my parents were because they were they happened to have been college educated, which was, you know, both of them very unusual back then because they went to school in the early 50s. Uh, but now the expectation is my children would do the same. But I realized that my two, two of my girls who um, had children, um, you know, in their late 20s, um, it might be a little bit more difficult for them to achieve the same level as I have because times are different. Mm-hmm. Times are different. And so I think that part of um, being well uh, is realizing that and giving yourself a break and realizing that these times are different. And you have to set your own expectations based upon what it is you want for your life. I mean, if you enjoy that pace and that's where you're at, that's fine. But if you know that there's something else that you want to do, that's okay too. And with the college experience, I'm telling you, I've always felt this way, uh, but I especially feel this way now. I wish we had more of a European model that gives people opportunities for apprenticeships and things like that because college is not for everyone. And that does not mean that they're dumb or stupid or any of that. Ask Bill Gates. He'll tell you that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And some of the other folks have them sitting up there in Google right now. They don't necessarily have, you know, grad degrees. The idea of getting the degree 
and then going on and getting the grad degree because you don't know what else you're going to do, and then going on and getting a PhD, and then you know working at PLS Resource. I don't think that was the expectation at the time. So I think maybe perhaps we need to be uh, more. Um, I hate to use the word authentic, become such a buzzword, but more true to ourselves mm-hmm. and that inner desire and tapping into that because I do believe uh, where your passion is, so lies your treasure. Mm. That is, that's a beautiful sentiment. I love it's, that. I think it's really true. So for people who are um, where you were a few years ago, still climbing the corporate ladder, still trying to secure the bag, right? What what can you offer them in terms of um, what are the signs that they're approaching um, an unhealthy place? What do they need to watch for? Mm-hmm. Well, never disconnecting. For me, it was two cell phones and a pager and my laptop. And this started back in 92 and went on until 2008. And I was raising kids at the same time and traveling. At one time, I was about 60, 70% travel. I would make a turnaround. I would do a red eye to um, an early morning flight to Texas from California and take a red, red eye back to be able to get there in time before they woke up the next morning. And then I would work from home because, I mean, I would, you know, back then you dial into a landline or whatever back in the 90s, but never disconnecting and thinking that um, by never disconnecting, you are um, being the best that you can be, that you're really doing a great job. The reality is more than likely you're not doing a great job. More than likely mistakes are going to, make, are going to happen. Disconnecting, um, when you start seeing those little mistakes pop up that you know normally you would not make, that's a sign, especially when you know that this is a job that you're prepared for and that you're competent. All of a sudden things start happening. Another sign um, is uh, the inability to sleep to, um, you know, uh, be able to disconnect enough to sleep, to calm down. Or if you're sleeping, your sleep is constantly interrupted by waking up, uh, going to the bathroom several times during the course of the night, not having a deep sleep. That's a sign. Uh, another sign is when you begin to realize that you don't have a real, any relationships. And I'm not talking about love relationships, but I'm talking about friendships. Your friendships are also tied to work, which is not a bad thing. But there was a time when you didn't work at that place and you had friends outside of work or friends outside of your profession. Uh, So um, disconnecting from relationships um, that aren't work-related. Also, uh, not being able to just sit and be. Feeling the need to always be doing something. And I'm not talking, you can sit and be and watch and, and binge watch. But you're still doing something. But the idea of just being in a state of being. If you're having problems with any of those things, that's a sign of burnout. Um, anxiety, which is a common thing that most Americans suffer from that no one is really, really talking about. My anxiety was so bad for almost 10 years that I thought it was normal. I started drinking coffee because of my anxiety, believe it or not. It seemed to be the only thing that would take away the scary feeling. And the scary feeling was I would be going, I would wake up in the morning and it would feel like I was going straight downhill on a roller coaster with no restraints. I mean, like going down the hill and nothing holding me in. 
but I'm still in this chair. I'm still, somehow I'm not falling out. But can you imagine how scary that is thinking that you might fall out? That. It was the fear of the unknown. And that all came from uh, my post-traumatic that I had as a result of um, not really going through the process of grieving. And the post-traumatic, and I talk about it in the book, um, it all came from uh, how I found out that my mother had, um, had died. She was hit uh, by a fire truck on her way to work. She was 56 years old. And uh, how I found out was really traumatic, very traumatic. And I had just had a baby, um, oh. five weeks old. And I had a 17-month-old and a just-turned-four-year-old. So it was, and I was on maternity leave at the time, but um, I was a, um, a regional manager and um, had like three or four branches I was in charge of. And what had happened was I, uh, on the day that she died, I had just seen her. And I um, said, I would see her later and went to my office to show everybody my baby. And this is before cell phones. And my dad, I guess I guess I wasn't mentioned to him when I was over at the house in the morning because he was on his way to work too because my parents were in their mid-50s. I was 31. And so I think I had mentioned to them that I was going by my office to uh, show off the baby. And he called me there and he said, I want you to go home to the family home because my grandfather was uh, visiting from Georgia, my dad's dad. And he was just beginning to exhibit signs of dementia. So he wanted me to go home and stay with granddaddy and that he would meet me there at the house a little bit later because he said, your mom's been in an accident. I don't know how serious it is, but I need you to go home. And so I said, okay. And, um, you know, I, I had a feeling something was wrong. And I had left my organizer. Back then they had Ben Franklin organizer. I left my Ben Franklin organizer at work. And I didn't have, didn't have cell phones back then. I didn't have any telephone numbers. Couldn't remember any numbers because I was so scared. Something wasn't feeling right. So I called my mom's office and I, you know, Lucille, bless her heart, um, my mom's secretary. And I said, listen, I need to call someone to come and stay with me. And I don't have um, any numbers with me. And she said, oh, yeah. And she said, I guess you would want to have someone come and stay with me. You know, we are so sorry. We loved your mother. And I was like, ED, love, past tense? You mean she's gone? And then that's when she realized, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then she dropped the phone. And I could hear, then I could hear people in the background crying. So, I mean, it had been like not even a whole hour since this had happened. And that's when I began immediately to never have that shock again. Can you imagine? I mean, even now when I think about it, I can still feel that. Um, that decision. Boom. Because I have babies to take care of. I got a job to do. I have a husband. I have a home. And my dad, I got to be there for him. And I got to be there for my sister who's still at school and 17, graduating, you know, in a few months turning 18 next week. I got to call my sister in LA who just finished her master's in social work. He's working. I got to take care of this stuff. So I don't have time to feel. Mm. And, you know, that's where that thing came. And that's where the anxiety disorder began, that moment. And that was definitely post-traumatic stress. Wow. And so I write about that and what I learned you know, from that. They got to read the book to find out what I mean. That's right. So the book that you're mentioning is called Power Up Superwomen, Stories of Courage and Empowerment. And Linus is one of 17 authors of this anthology. And I'm another author on this anthology. My story is not nearly as um, traumatic or dramatic 
Um, but all of these stories are designed to help women kind of come to terms with who they are, what they want out of life and how to go about getting it. Yes. And, um, it, there's some truly, truly inspirational stories in this. Yes. Liz, I have two more questions for you today. Okay. I wanted to ask you to finish this sentence. I feel included when? I feel included when I'm contributing something of value mm. to society, to my friends, to my family. I want to be of value. I just don't want to be taking space, taking up space. I don't want just because I am successful to be what defines me. I want that success to be tied to adding value. I, you know, adding value to someone's life, adding value to uh, someone's experience. I, I don't want to, I want to build a legacy. I just don't want to be successful and make a lot of money, but no one remembers what I did. And I don't know why I tear up behind that, but uh, at 62, you know, that's something that's really important to me to be of value. Yeah, to leave a lasting impact. Yes. I understand that. Absolutely. Now can you finish this sentence? When I feel included, I... Uh, when I feel included, I feel a sense of joy. Oh, that's beautiful. Yes. I, I've never really experienced what true joy was until I left corporate America, quite frankly. And it's not that I'm saying that corporate America is a bad thing. Corporate America is just a small slither of what defines you. And if you can arrive at that early on in your career, then you'll be okay. Because the real joy you're going to feel are the things that come at you unexpectedly. And in corporate America, you don't want any surprises. Uh, but in life, you do. You want good surprises in terms of, um, you know, the experiences that you have. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it, it brings me great joy when I'm able to feel included that way. Well, Linus, I can tell that you're having an impact, not just on your clients, but on everyone around you. You have so much, you exude joy, you exude peace. And I, I am so grateful to know you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Amy. It's really an honor to talk with you. I'm so glad that you asked me. This is exciting. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.